What's up? You're listening to Surf Dudes with Attitudes. This is uh, Pete from New York City. And this is Zach from Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm the producer, George Howell. Uh, I think I've, I think I fucked the title up already. I think it's Surf Dudes with Attitudes. I thought it was right? only one tood. How many <laughs> toods are we? It's not plural. <laughs> I mean, let's start with just okay. one. And then let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. okay? So... Um, that, of course, is the first line of the song in, of California Dreams, which I guess, Zach, this might be the first time that you, you actually found that out to be truthful. Um, this is I, this is a podcast where we're going to critically break down every episode of California Dreams, the 1990s family band-oriented sitcom that ran from 1992 to 1997. So uh, our producer, George, are you familiar with this show at all? I saw a few episodes here and there, mostly because they were after the Saved by the Bell reruns, mm-hmm. but I, I was never um, a, uh, a a real diehard fan. I've, I've only seen a handful of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, not a novice. Not a professional. I get it. What about Zach? Um, I remember pitching the show to you, and I was jumping out of my jorts because of what you told me. Not only had you never even heard of this show... Um, you didn't even know television existed, right? Well, let me answer that. I uh, not only had I not heard of this show, I didn't know television even existed. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had not heard of this show. I had not uh never seen it. It wasn't even a when I watched this yesterday. It wasn't a. It didn't spark any memory. I I expected it might as a like oh mm-hmm. that was the show that I maybe saw flipping channels. Mm-hmm. Nah. Um, cause I didn't have a television to know what it was like. Yes. Well, I was, I was kind of curious watching it. If, if maybe you had repressed this, that so you had actually watched all of this and then some childhood traumatic incident happened and you're like, I, I must never bring this up unless it's in therapy years and years later. But apparently it rang true. You have not seen the show. And not only have you not seen the show, you, you inform me that, you were homeschooled and you have no um you have no kind of basis or understanding of what a an american high school experience uh, might be like <laughs> this is accurate yes i was homeschooled we did have a television but it was mostly uh mostly pbs um a lot of wishbone a lot of uh mr rogers neighborhood reading rainbow uh big comfy couch so um i did i did see a lot of the tgif on uh on ABC as the 90s went on, oh. so I have some Boy Meets World and some Step by Step in there. Not an not an NBC family is what you're telling me. Just strictly ABC. It was, was this on NBC? This was NBC. That's right. So this was this actually came in a block on Saturday mornings called TNBC, which stands for. Are you ready? I'm ready. Teen NBC. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not. So the flagship show of the, of this of teen teen NBC was Saved by the Bell, and then this show came on maybe two years after Saved by the Bell had like really kind of gotten popular. Saved by the Bell started in like '89 as Good Morning Miss Bliss, and then it was very popular by 1992. So like, quick, let's do a sister show. So in theory, California Dreams started off in the same universe. They're in California, pretty sure Los Angeles. Um, I don't know. We're gonna find out where if there's any latitude and longitude that's actually posted about it in the show and then they had a couple other shows after they had like city guys 
and they had uh, Hang Time, which was about a high school basketball team. So who knows? Maybe I'll start a Hang Time podcast with my basketball playing friends that I've definitely had <laughs> a ton of. So anyway, uh, we're gonna we're kind of gonna jump right in. We we kind of want to take a critical look at California Dreams as musicians, as as jaded, cynical, bitter musicians. And uh, we're going to kind of deconstruct their decisions from a business standpoint, from a musical industry standpoint. And we're going to try to decipher some of the songs that are played and, and see if they have any merit. They were literally just completed last minute, which I have a feeling that will be. I think our goal here is not to just clown on the show. It holds a nostalgic place in my heart, but that doesn't mean it's good. So we're going to take it to task if it sucks. We're going to find out. Uh, I have yeah. no nostalgia for this, and barely any for this era of the. I was I was two years old when this thing aired. I'm 19. God, are you that young? I'm a baby. Uh, yeah. So it was a bit before my time. I saw reruns of uh of Saved by the Bell, or I I don't think they were reruns. Later later seasons of Saved by the Bell. So uh, but all those other maybe the college years as you entered middle school. That's a possibility. Yeah, I was really looking forward to the future. What is what is that going to be like? <laughs> I wondered. I'm glad the California Dream just kind of went in, did well, and went like went out in a high note kind of thing. But it's pretty much faded into obscurity. If anybody's going to follow along, you can only watch it on YouTube. There's plenty of channels that have it, including an official California Dreams channel. So I don't think we're skirting any legality here. It's not streaming, so we're not sure if that's a rights issue and I don't know if we're going to care enough to kind of find that out. So um, chronologically, let's start. This is this. We're going to start with the pilot episode. Are you ready, Zach? I'm so ready. Okay, cool. Well, this this first episode is called The First Gig, of course. Uh, this first air date was September 12th, 1992. So you would have been, what, four years old, Zach? Uh, n- no, I was not quite two years old. Oh you, oh, you were born in 1990. Yeah. You don't even know what the 80s are like. No, no, I didn't. I didn't know. Just, you were never governed under Ronald Reagan. What is that like? Right, not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we open up uh, on the breakfast table with the Garrison family. Now, I have told Zach very little about the show because I kind of want uh, like a fresh take and his genuine reaction to it, but... This show is it's actually was started to be much like Good Morning Miss Bliss was totally about something else when it first started. It was about the Garrison family and how their son and daughter were in a band together and that's it. But basically by mid second season it looks nothing like this. So Oh wow. Don't get don't don't get too attached to these characters, especially this shitty little brother character that I didn't even remember he was in here. So Okay. This might be the little brother in me cuz I am one. Uh <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, it's this character. And, the, you know, it, it opens and it's the Garrison family and they're having breakfast and they do this gag where, like, they everybody one by one takes a page from dad's newspaper that he's reading and, like, gets different things out of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dennis, the, well, the What a relatable scenario. I know. And everyone's like, oh, dad. And he's like, oh, hey, I was reading that. And I was like, okay, this is fine. The, the Dennis character, this little kid. And then... I don't his response. I don't know if you would remember this from the first time you view, viewed it or if it hit different this time. But he's like, 
He's like, but dad, I thought you wanted me to take an interest in reading. Oh, well, I guess I'll just become a terrorist. Oh, yes. The <laughs> the terrorist joke did not age well <laughs> whatsoever. But, you know, I think this was actually around the Gulf War. So, like, maybe he was just, like, super woke and he was progressive. And that's that's what he was thinking about, you know. He was probably wearing a yellow ribbon. Now, you yeah. would have been too young, but we had, we had to wear yellow ribbons to school in support of the Gulf War. Uh, looking back, that's, that's kind of indoctrination, but you're right. The, the dad just loves his newspaper. He just likes being just like middle America. I just want my cup of mud and I want to like read what's going on in the paper. And I want to go to my nine to five job at the, the factory or something, you know, and I just want to have my family love me. So none of the jokes like landed. And then Dennis came in hot. I was like, this is brilliant. And I laughed so long. <laughs> that's, he's not hot, but he's, he's not this character. I really hope you don't get attached to him. He, I, he is, he's fucking gone by the end of the first. I'm pretty sure I, we what? do not see much of him again. Okay, that's fine. They totally Jamie Foxworth her. Oh no. You know from Family Matters, they just like got rid of this character and didn't look back. Thank you for explaining. Uh, like like <laughs> explaining what shows when you make references, you've been doing that the whole time, and I'm not oh, being facetious. I do appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so there was a show called Family Matters with this character named Steve Urkel. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear me. You'll hear me going, oh, totally, and then and then and then pause, and, and then you're you're clicking and, you... and clacking and Wikipediaing what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, sweet, Urkel. I remember Urkel. So this nerd ass dad who who just wants to read his fucking paper. Uh, apparently he's a he's a college professor. That that is like a that's like kind of a quick drop. It doesn't mm-hmm. say of what. I don't. I don't know if we're ever going to find out, but I don't know if he has an affair with a student. I don't know if, Whoa. you know, he gets grants for his kids. I don't know what kind of backstory we're going to get, but it's just dropped there. Uh, but a lot of times the pilot is different and they'll just kind of test some stuff out and then they'll just drop it and assume nobody saw it. But they didn't anticipate 30 years later some assholes talking about it on a podcast. So <laughs> along with the terrorist joke that didn't work, they also have a Doogie Hauser joke. That didn't work, but do you know the show Doogie Howser? Uh, yes. That name sound familiar? By by okay. name, yeah. I didn't I didn't really watch it. Um, I'm pretty sure that was an ABC show. Uh, we'll have we might have to go to the producer or the judges on that, but uh, so you should have known about it, and I'm pretty sure it went into the mid 90s. But what a kid doctor, but anyway, so Doogie Howser exists in this universe. So they're sitting around the table. Um, and Matt says something like he wants, he's asking his sister, Jenny, who looks 45 years old, uh, if she wants to rehearse that day and he's trying to get a band practice just started like the day of, and I, I like, I was as a, as a band member, I'm floored. Like, cause now it just seems like you have to give people like a month's notice to like when you have to rehearse. If you don't have like a daily or like a weekly regimen or something like trying to get somebody to rehearse that day seems insane to me. Yeah. But. The fact that, you know, it's his sister and they practice in the garage, maybe that's why. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Sylvester comes in. Um, now, I think this is also different in the pilot than it is later. Supposedly, Sylvester, Sly, their friend, their smarmy friend, it just lives next door. And I I'm, I guarantee that's not the case later. He's, I think they were trying to make him the Steve Urkel. Or there was also a show called Blossom with Maya Bialik, if you remember, with one of the with Joey Lawrence. I believe you. Okay. So, <laughs> so she had a neighbor named Six 
Oh, I guess her whole shtick was talking really fast. That's it. <laughs> I get it was like a sitcom thing to have like the, the kooky neighbor. Yeah. Um, and I guess Sly was supposed to be this time, but he comes in really date rapey. He comes in and he's just like orbiting Jenny. He just will not leave her alone, and he's basically yeah saying in front of the entire family like, "I, I need to be inside you," like yesterday. And then she plays along, and then she she thwarts him, spurns him. Which, again, I don't know long how how long that goes on in the show. I know Sylvester Sly is a he's a horn dog. He he's always up for doing a get rich quick scheme. But I really hope he tones down this whole thing. I hope so too. That was apparent immediately. Also, mm-hmm. what always kind of uh, struck me about certain '90s uh, shows and movies. Um, growing mm-hmm. up the way that I did, uh, homeschooled and such, the um, <laughs> the 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 brazen oh, attitudes, the the way that children spoke not only to parents but around parents was always surprising. Yes, I I I wouldn't dare e- e- be overly friendly even to a girl that I had a crush on around her parents mm-hmm. in high school. Now, most of the people that I interacted with in high school and in school were also homeschoolers, and all of the dads were scary, like on purpose, like <laughs> to a problematic degree. But like it was, uh, you know, religious uh, purity culture. But um, the way that Sly just like rolls in, talking very openly about how uh, what a horn dog he is. Familiarity is just off the charts here. Like yeah, he, is that he's normal? almost done it so much that that they're like, oh Sly, calm down. And like, what time is it right now? Is it like 7:15 a.m. and he's just <laughs> like primed and ready to go? I also had that question because they're like, all right, we're going, and like, you know, I get, I don't know if they take all the papers and the dad is just like, Brr. oh yeah, he starts reading the cereal box or something. So, but then they go to Sharky's, which so is this. This is the morning, right? So they're they're at a restaurant. Because Sly that looks says bumping. It, the early bird gets the babe, and they're like, "Hell yeah!" And then they go <laughs> to Sharky's, which which I, I I have never grown up in California, but I don't know if it's true. I don't know to get the best babes, you go to a fast food um, surf themed <laughs> restaurant at seven a.m. Because they're still question. serving breakfast at this time. It's a little gross. Because be- a lot of the best surfing happens at sunrise. I also have n- did not grow up in California, but I'm wondering. Because that that happens. Like, they, they greet their various <laughs> friends who break. are there. And, like, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I'm drawing from here. All right. And Tiffany, their friend, comes in just from mm-hmm. the surf. That's true. Where her hair is wicked. completely dry. Um, I, I don't. I'm not going to throw shade on... The, the wardrobe and costume department, but it, it could have been like a little damp. Okay, so we have our first discrepancy in continuity okay, so here. I have a question. Is this a Saturday? Or is this a school day? Is this during the summer? It feels like the summer. Why would you be getting up this early? Okay, then maybe it's not 7 a.m. Maybe they had a late breakfast. I don't know but either way tony is working and he seems tony there's our friend and he plays drums in the band and as we said tiffany is there and she plays bass in the band and and matt sees this as an opportunity to get the whole band together for rehearsal but tony 
as far as I know, he's the only one that works this entire show, which is a shame. And he's just mm. stuck at Sharky's. And he doesn't seem to, I, I don't know, there has to be a plot later on where his work schedule is interfering with his band schedule. And that's something as musicians we can all all relate to. Big time. Anyway, but I mean, I'm not saying he's a saint because he's also sexually harassing all the all the women that work there too. Which I guess is just, you know, that's what you do on teen NBC. You just, you know, you go for panty raids. You you cast a very wide net. You see which babes you can get on your little fish hook, I guess. Right? I was two years old. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, early word gets the babe, dude. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> so so Sly is sitting at this table, and he's, he's pining for this. He wants to manage the band. And... I guess this comes out later, so it's not much of a spoiler, but this band has been around. They have been playing for two years together, and they have not had a show. Oh, wow. Yes. That, yeah, it's I kind of like a, a line thrown in later. Yes, it's a line that Tony casually says later. Well, he says it emphatically because, you know, as you see in this episode, they have to decide which show they're going to play or if they're going to ditch their first gig. But he's like, we've been playing almost daily every day. <laughs> For the last two years. We have to take this gig kind of thing. And I'm like, whoa, okay, so maybe that does make sense. Like, I really want to have a rehearsal today. But you play every day for two years. What is missing one day of rehearsal really going to really gonna do, you know? And it should just be mentioned before we leave this scene that in the pilot, the band's name is the California Dreams. Uh, later in the show, it is just shortened to the Dreams. I noticed that it was California Dreams because you had mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. that they changed it to just the Dreams. Um, I was curious about that. Well, we're gonna find out if that's uh, just like a nickname. It's like you know, if they're really into brevity. Like when when Panic at the Disco dropped the exclamation mark and it was a big deal. This is <laughs> California Dreams did it first. You're right. That 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 saves a lot of time overall. Yeah. So you just say. Panic at the Disco. You, you don't say it with any, like... You say it with no verbal punctuation either. No need. It's just factually, okay? It's not like, ah, this, something needs to happen ASAP. Exactly. Oh. It's like, we're in California. This is the only place we play. <laughs> it's the dreams, okay? I mean, outside of this episode, they basically only play at Sharky's, but that's how I remember the show, that they only play at this one place. And, of course, if you haven't seen the show before, Sharky's is basically their version of the Max, which is a restaurant, I guess, attached to the school. It's not really ever mentioned. I really want to see blueprints for both of these places. Um, But I guess basically just serves breakfast food and puts on one band as a house (laughs) band the entire time. So... Uh, I want to see that business model. Anyway, so we we jump to the garage. Uh, we immediately see Matt uh, with no sleeves. I think this is one of the the big shortcomings and a reason that Matt is um, not with us very long on this show, even though he's probably the most talented member. He just he's supposed to be like the rock star in the band because they don't really have anybody else. Wait, Matt is not. In the ba- in the show after this, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Zach. But again, whoa! Don't get don't get attached to anybody in the garrison. Oh my god, <laughs> this is crazy. He's like the front man. This is this is a big change. But he's the front man, and he's he's the songwriter. Yeah, you know? 
Uh, he's the Zach. He's the Zach Morris of this Zach Attack band. That's. <laughs> I would say Zach Morris is the Matt Garrison of his band. Well, okay. So apparently, when they were because who did it uh, better? <laughs> who wore it better? Apparently, when they were casting for this show, they actually looked for people that could play. So I think these people have. They do have musical talent. I don't know how much it's going to be showcased, and that's something we're going to kind of look on with this podcast is we're going to see what they're playing and how accurate it is. But when they cast Matt, he's definitely, he's like a, I wouldn't say he's a pretty boy, but he's definitely like a, he's a cute guy that can play, but he's not like a rock star. And then later in the show, Jake comes in and he's like the rock star. Okay. But then Matt is not there and they have to bring in some kind of soft version of that character to kind of round out the band. So, anyway, I think in this pilot, they're trying to make him kind of cool, but he does not have the guns to pull off this sleeveless shirt look. So, I did want to move on, unless we <laughs> want to talk about his, his triceps triceps or delts any longer, um, to the equipment that they have, Zach. Uh, yeah, we can move on to the equipment and <laughs> stop <laughs> body shaming this child for uh, showing some confidence <laughs> during a band practice when a girl he likes is going to show He's up. such a... You know? Beautiful hairless man. Yeah, he did. Okay. Right. I mean, we all remember. Scene, we all remember whipping out, <laughs> whipping out our arms. You know. Okay. I I seem to have touched the nerve for this skinny guy on this podcast, and I'm I'm very sorry. Okay, it's fine. Wear whatever it's you fine. want. <laughs> it's fine. You don't need to have uh to to meet a certain body standard to wear clothes. It's it's right. pretty unrealistic. Uh, no, you can wear whatever you want, dude. Okay, midriff it up. Thank you. So let's look at the equipment on this scene. It Maybe it looks something similar to what you had. So basic kind of four-piece band, keyboard, drums, bass, guitar. Uh, below the keyboard is a tiny keyboard amp, like very tiny. It's a practice PV guitar amp, and there's a practice combo bass amp, which I also think is PV. Three-piece mm-hmm. drum kit. And then there's bongos in the background that I really hope will be utilized in a future episode. Um, I guess that kind of looked normal. That's how my first band was. We were just using whatever was in like the practice space, mm-hmm. even if it didn't sound loud enough or good enough. Uh, so I'll give him props there. I think I had to like zoom in. I think as they were playing, all of the guitars looked plugged in at least because I fully expected that not to be the case. Um, and yeah, so they're practicing and then Matt has invited Randy Joe over. It's Randy Joe, not Brandy Joe, right? It's Randy Joe. Okay, so Randy Joe supposedly is 15 in this episode. She's about to have her sweet 16s. Yeah, she's gonna have her sweet 16 party. <laughs> uh, but do you know who the car- do you know who the actress was <laughs> that played this this Randy Joe? I uh, should should I? I bet you do. I know her from uh the movie a movie <laughs> called Airborne, which came out in the 90s about an aggressive inline skater who has to move from California as a surfer, of course, so maybe same universe, to Ohio. And he has to live with his cousin, played by Seth Green, and it's one of Jack Black's first roles. Anyway, he, he uses great. rollerblades to to warm his way into this girl's heart. As you do. They have a, a final battle down Devil's Backbone, and she is the female lead. He wins Devil's Backbone and kisses her at the end. So I love that. It's quite something. But that's her. 
She's not 15. She's definitely like 20-something in this episode, but... Good for her. He's trying to impress her, so they're going to play this song. And we finally get to our first song. Um, the song is only about 40 seconds long. It's called Into the Tube. Not long enough. What did you think of this song? It's... <laughs> uh, first of you know, all... It's, it's, funny, it's funny you should mention that, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I think... I remembering now what you just said that they were had been practicing for two years made a lot more sense because this thing came in and I was honestly surprised. Mm-hmm. Like it slaps you in the face with some very tight harmonies. Yeah. And it, it just mixed. It's mixed so well. I too. mean, it just jumps right in and it doesn't stop. Uh, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I kind of loved it. Uh, honestly, like I, I did not expect because you I mean, and we're going to come back to it because but, you know. The second song they play, you get a snippet of it because it's it is the theme song for it or it currently is in this pilot episode. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm in yeah. store for, but currently you don't know. It stands, and, and that's what I love about this podcast. And that's what you're going to love about this podcast, too, listeners. Yeah. So I got a, a little taste with that. But uh, yeah, into the tube. Uh, this song kicks ass. I want to surf now. Yeah, the course is about surfing. Um, I couldn't find lyrics to this online. I did find a website that had most of the lyrics to California Dreams, so we're going to be, like, super set. Sick. But I did, on the official California Dreams web uh, YouTube page, they have the entire version of this song. It's three minutes and 42 seconds long. I about fell off my ottoman uh, listening to it, because what we see in the show, they, they literally just jump into the first chorus. And they only play the first chorus and second verse. And that's it. it to the point that when they stop, the, the the actor playing Sly looks surprised. He, he's like, oh, oh, it's already. It's Here's my cue. He did. He was clapping and then he's like, or he was like air drumming and then he just. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yo, you, you love this band. I don't think at that point they know about the gig that is about to be offered. But just a quick note about this song. Um, from what they're playing, it looks like their their guitars are tuned a half step down. So I learned the guitar part today. One of the saddest things I've ever said. <laughs> As I'm playing it now, I was tuned to 440. It, it's in C sharp, which is the crazy fucking key for for this this band. Yeah. But what but what they're playing is from like, you know, harping on the A, F, G, C. And the main line is A to F, the chorus is D to A, then D, A, E. But as you're playing it, it's everything's in sharp. So hmm. I don't know I don't know who made that decision. Um, also, I see Matt is, is trying to... There's two guitar lines that you're hearing, but there's only one guitar there. And I don't think the keyboard is doing it. So Matt is trying to basically mimic both. Uh, but what he's playing, it does not actually match up, which, which is something that uh, if you're going to be a Patreon subscriber we're gonna actually like play what he plays no matter how bad it sounds it's gonna sound great maybe maybe it was transposed uh for vocals somewhere it got mixed for the like recording versus the uh studio recording versus like the the video recording i just it's odd i couldn't see what the keyboard was playing because she was too far back but the bass and the guitar, they were best. They're definitely playing it in like first position stuff. So, mm-hmm. but as I tried to play it, I was like, "This is it's a whole half step off." So, are they cool enough to like tune down their guitars? Are they Nirvana? 
Yeah, who was doing that in 92? Anyway, as I was listening a little more, there's actually like some cool bass riffs in, in the extended version, but if I listen closely, and I don't want to say it, it's kind of like a Seinfeld thing where I think the bass is all synth. Mm. So I really don't I really don't want to think about that too much because that's a bummer. Anyway, yeah, Randy Joe loves sorry. the song. Um, they, they're like, that's it. We play one song at rehearsal, and that's all we do. And then she offers them a gig, and she's like, "It's this is uh, it's for my Sweet Sixteen party in three days, <laughs> which is very short notice. I don't know if another band dropped off. Uh, for so she offers them two hundred fifty dollars because Sly says they don't play for anything less than two hundred fifty dollars. And as somebody that's had shitty managers and booking agents in the past, like good on Sly, okay, because he yeah. aimed high. And she's like two fifty, fine. Basically, like they were they lowballed her, and they're like fuck." I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where like somebody has asked you how much it would cost to play, and you kind of have to size them up really quickly, and you should throw out a number, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's yeah, sure, easy." And then you're like, "Oh yeah." The rest of the day, you're like, "Fuck, should have like I should have shot higher because yeah. they probably would have at least like gone down a little more." So yeah, I feel like I've I've countered and become uh, try to become offensive now, but I don't with mm-hmm. with high. I'm like I'm like sly now, without mm-hmm. the aggression. You are sly. Um, yeah, with smaller arms, but you are definitely sly. Who's got smaller arms? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> according to my inflation calculator, $250 today is $533.90. So that's actually not a bad gig, uh, especially when you live at home with your parents and you have no bills to pay. Yeah, that's sick. That would be great. Um, Anyway, so we go to the kitchen where there's a gag about the mom doing dishes and dropping them and stuff because the kids are yelling because mm-hmm. uh, they're so happy. Sly has a, a cow print vest that, I mean, we could or could not talk about for the next 10 minutes, so we can just get past it. It's okay because we have other things to talk about, including Dad Comes Home. And I guess we might have missed it, but the very beginning breakfast scene, they kept, I, I don't know, they kept like shit-talking their dad. They're like, Dad, you never fucking follow through on anything. Yeah, and then Matt comes home. He's like, hey, stop picking on Dad. I guess one of the things they always harp on him for is that he never follows through with his dreams of going to the Grand Canyon, which is seems like a little foreshadowing now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I should have seen this one coming. I <laughs> I had the same reaction when Dad comes in and he's got news. I'm like, oh, no, I bet. Oh, no, yeah. that news. You knew. I bet you, yeah. And they did the, the classic sitcom trope of like, he won't let him talk, basically. And if uh-huh. anybody would just let the other person speak, this would be resolved. But that's not <laughs> going to happen. And he, he goes into his blazer and he pulls out a ticket hole. I don't know where. He went to a travel agent for this, right? And he's like, I got four non-refundable tickets to the Grand Canyon this Friday. which happens to be the same night as Randy Joe's birthday party. Uh, so he bought tickets three days in advance, which would have been fucking hell of expensive. For sure. I like how, I mean, there were definitely parents that I knew who were like as as money conscious to like point out a, a spe- something as specific as like, this is non-refundable, but to like lead with that. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you know how poor we are. <laughs> like, oh, no, but what if you could refund? Nope. We thought of that. They're non-refundable. There's no way out of this. OK, it's one thing like a once in a lifetime. I don't I don't know. Like somebody's getting inducted into a Hall of Fame, like that only happens once. But yeah. the Grand Canyon will literally be there on Monday or the following <laughs> Friday. It's it's so silly that 
nope, there's only a limited amount of tickets that we can sell to look at this big hole in the ground on this particular day of the week. So yeah. putting that aside, I know the plot has to move forward. So they don't have the heart to tell him, which again is just pushing this this conflict even further. Um, so two gigs at the same time, Zach. Let's talk about it. Has this ever happened to you? Not specifically the Grand Canyon, because we know you love the Grand Canyon. I do love the Grand Canyon. I've never been though, and I get teased a lot by not following through with. I felt I've really related to the dad, and and then when he came in and he's talked about going through with this and he got the tickets i felt it as an inspiration but then immediately immediately there's conflict Mm -hmm. uh which just you know uh makes me feel justified in in waiting so take me to the grand canyon pete that's true i mean and later in life your three shitty kids will just harp on you about this i love the line though i love it you're like one and a half shitty kids and one hilarious (laughs) kid one point Matt is like, Mom, tell Dad we're not doing it. We actually have a paying gig that could help this family out. Because, like, I think at that time, there's it's a three-hour trip, four tickets. I don't know. It's probably the same amount of money back in that back in 1992. They, they might be making more as a family if they just play this gig. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but the mom is like, I love this line. She's like, you know how important the Grand Canyon is to your father. <laughs> I just lost <laughs> it because I'm like... <laughs> I don't know. He must be always talking about it. And it's only three hours away. Like, why haven't you gone? And you're like (laughs) 50 something years old, old man. Why? Why haven't you gone there yet? It's only getting bigger. They're going to fill that in at some point. Anyway, they go up to Matt's room, which you won't know, uh, Zach, but Matt's room is the exact same set they use for Zach Morris's room. Really? Same thing. They just took out a couple posters they took out a babes poster and they added an rem automatic for the people poster and like boom there he is that's a cool guy yep (laughs) so oh so i did have a so have you had to have you accidentally booked two gigs at the same time um and what did you do about it i have not double booked gigs before i have okay oh well okay not two music gigs that I've had to double up because I also MC shows and I've had okay. I've had shows where I had to play the show and then run over and MC a separate variety show. Something like this where it's something like personal, family or friend related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yes, those kind of conflicts happen all the time. There's definitely been times where we have not been able to play the gig and I hate that. Um, as far as double booking, I think it's definitely happened accidentally on tour where I'm like, fuck yes, confirmed. And then I'll look and like, oh no, I also confirmed it was somewhere else or mm-hmm. I forgot to unconfirm or drop off the bill or something like that. And it's not something you want to do, but I guess it's better, you know, than not having a gig at all. Sometimes you got to, you know, take Betty and Veronica to the same fucking prom, you know, so is that a reference to something specific? Oh my god, that's I guess that's okay. I shouldn't be making a Betty and Veronica joke because I never actually watched Archie, but apparently that's that's like a common thing. Those are the two. I that's right. I guess Archie has <laughs> really bad commitment issues. George is so disappointed <laughs> in me right now. 
No, I'm disappointed in Pete. It was a book before it was a, a show. So they made a book out book of that. Series. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, we jump back to Sharkies. We're at Sharkies, and I have something incredibly important to talk about. There's there. So whoever is like set designing this prop department, they have. I guess this place sells milkshakes, which like I'm all about. I fucking love milkshakes. They're the best. Uh, there's three milkshakes on the table that are completely untouched. Like it looks like they've been sitting there for hours. They're just at half level. I think they're supposed to be strawberry. There's no straw in them at all. It's just they're just berry. And if there's no straw, it means you're like it means you're sipping them, and then you would at least see some film on the side of the glass or something. But there's nothing. It's just sitting there like some gelatinous fucking sad cube. Anyway, it took me right out of it, but I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> I, I, thank you. Thank you for letting me live my truth. Of course. That response. Uh, of course. Something striking about this, especially I think of the other 90s shows that I've seen, is kind of, mm-hmm. uh, especially the contemporary Saved by the Bell, where like everybody, especially the the main protagonist is kind of a known piece of shit like this show everybody kind of does the right thing oh that is a great point that's that's excellent i didn't even think about that you're right like like they just take turns being good to each other yes and the only like character that isn't like that is kind of like sly yeah, who does like he does several shitty things that one that we've mentioned and then one that we'll get into. Um, yeah, the latter he he does for his people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's he's like he's a loyal fucking lapdog. He he will, you know, he'll lie down in traffic for you basically. And yeah, when it comes down to it, he did get this band two hundred a two hundred fifty dollar gig. Whether they play the gig or not, you're gonna have to. Stay tuned to find out. But that's true. You're right. Whereas, like, Sly is basically on the same level as Zach Morris, and Zach Morris is the hero of the other show. So, yeah. like, don't even like that's where the the bar is set. And so this yeah. show, it's like you're right. They're all kind of goody two shoes about it. Everyone has feelings and stuff. And even when Jake comes in later, like, he's the bad boy rocker. But even then, he's he's like a pussy cat. Like he's he's not a bad guy whatsoever. That's good to know. I'm starting to get endeared by these folks. Um, well, because, and I might have these wrong in my notes, but before they get to Sharky, they do actually tell Dad that they that they have the gig. They finally get up the nerve. I think, yes, he does tell them in that, and then the dad leaves, the, he leaves all butthurt. Well, sort of, but also, like, he's clearly disappointed, but he also is just like, oh, like, first he's super excited that he got the gig, and then he's like, well, what's wrong with that? And it's like, oh, it's the same day. Like, oh, okay, well, like, so you don't want to go to the Grand Canyon? And, and they're like, ah, kind of a shrug, knowing shrug. And then he's just like, I mm-hmm. guess we won't go then. Like, congrats on the show. Like, he's clearly disappointed, but still still does the, like, he puts his needs aside for his kids that just got this gig that they've been working for for a while. And he's like, cool, we'll mm-hmm. just not go. No worries. Yeah, it does hinge on the whole silly idea that these are non-refundable tickets because this could have been solved with just saying oh that sucks okay like you guys still want to go and they're like of course we want to go and like okay like well let's reschedule it's just money or something yeah we we go to sharky's and sly has come up with an idea that oh i can sell these tickets but i have to come up with some kind of 
gag, basically. So he, he convinces this Indian family that they're going to meet Van Halen, which I don't... <laughs> I hate this scene. <laughs> I hate this scene. It's it's not because it's, like, quote-unquote problematic. It's just so cringy and kind of hard to get through. And <laughs> I mean, like, it is, both. Yeah, I mean, well... <laughs> That's it's like, oh, those shit silly, cake, it's... silly foreigners. <laughs> They'll fall for anything. Like, like, uh, I mean, I would have I would have been suspect if somebody said, this is Van Halen, and then two bass players show up. I'd be like, wait a minute. That's horse shit. Right. There's only one bass player, and he's four foot seven. Okay? So you're not going to fool me. And they expressed that they had, had seen Van Halen before, had seen him play. Mm-hmm. They saw him. They saw them at the, the Gandhi Stadium, which... The wow. Gandhi Stadium. I didn't look up to see if it was a stadium. I'm going to say no. I'm going to venture to say it no. <laughs> um, That's a good question. Maybe Producer George just to double check. But it seems... <laughs> Gandhi, a acclaimed sports broadcaster, actually did not come up with a stadium named after him. Gandhi Stadium or Burlton Park or B.S. Betty Stadium is located in the city of Jalander, Punjab. Fuck you, it's a real thing? Wow. <laughs> That's great. I don't I I thought they were just being racist. Are we racist now? I don't know what happened. No, they were definitely <laughs> being racist, but Well, they for sure were. They didn't have the internet back then, so they would have had to get like an Encyclopedia Britannica out to like check like, oh, there's a Gandhi Stadium. I guess this joke works. <laughs> yeah, wow, like they you. made the joke first and they're like, whoo, thank goodness, it's a real place. We were going to call it that regardless. Um, Yeah, and then Matt, again, again, does the right thing and he like feels bad for tricking these people and he like takes off the wig and he's like, ah, nah, it's not real. And then they just think that Van Halen wears wigs. Um, Which Another again, gag. yeah. Another home like, run at like, Gandhi Stadium. Like, ooh, ah. So it's not great. I didn't. I'm glad that scene was over. The, the it immediately jumps into the into the tube song again of them playing at mm-hmm. the birthday party. And I I went back and watched that several times, but I have to like have to watch the end of that scene every time. Uh, like now get <laughs> get out of here. We jump to the birthday party. Matt's or uh, Zach is right. They play the same song. I think pretty much the same verse and chorus that we heard before. Mm-hmm. When I don't get it, because they have an entire three and a half minute song, I was like, why don't they play this? And then it kind of um, comes out later because of the second song they play, which we'll talk about in a second. But I just wanted to kind of uh, talk about the, what they were wearing. Everybody's outfit looked okay, except Tony, the drummer. He was wearing like full fucking like snow bunny winter gear. Like that's not a comfortable thing for a drummer to play with. They're already dealing with swamp ass and they have to have like a full range of motion. I mean, Tony's he's a sharp dresser. Throughout the whole show, so you you don't have to worry about that. He is in for the entirety, and he's always looking fucking snass. That's great news. Speaking of silly dressers, their dad comes in looking like fucking Indiana Jones, and it's it's not referenced whatsoever. So that I don't know that? how. Well, he's like, "Hey, looking great, Dad." And they did. He, he does give him a compliment at his at his dress. Okay. They kind of make a nod to it, but it's I. So I I was used to this because uh like having parties that whole families were invited to that was that was mm-hmm. normal growing up in our homeschool group because everybody knew each other and everybody was kind of friends with each other's parent like everybody sure you know uh 
it seemed odd and out of place in this setting to be like sweet 16 and be like hey since this is our first gig can my parents and little brother come they're a little annoying but we all love each other and she's like (laughs) obviously you know like was that a normal thing for people's parents to show up at 16 like yeah i would say so that was still yeah I mean that still happens to this day where it's like can we can we just bring this person in that'll be our plus one. Uh but I guess because supposedly everybody's fifteen or sixteen years old, like they don't all have their licenses. So somebody has to drive them. That would make sense. I think yeah, because they look like they're old. It's throwing me off. I mean they were all kind of adults. Like everybody in the scene is over eighteen. Except the shitty kid that you so much affection for for some reason but we'll, we'll get through it maybe maybe i'm wrong and i've blocked out that he's had an entire centric episode just about him <laughs> and it shows you know what he goes through as being the overlooked kid in the family like he doesn't have any musical talent but he's like an excellent artist and maybe that comes out later that his parents finally see his like beautiful italian realist drawings that he's been hiding from everybody because he didn't think anybody would like him I'm just saying, incredible. We should write a spec strip from this for this show. <laughs> I hope so. Let's for uh, those of us, those of you uh, subscribe to our Patreon, you can get. <laughs> this is one of the perks that you can get. This you're gonna get erotic fan fiction about California dreams. That's what's gonna happen. It's true. Um, so they take a a break, I think. They're oh like, yeah, they play. They're like we played one song. That's we gotta take a break now and. And you know what? Sometimes I play one song on tour and I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah, gonna make a break too. I would like, give me five minutes, um, please. I got to talk to my dad. But that's, that's, but then they come back on for one song, which would make this an encore. And that's like the nerdiest shit ever. If you're like, oh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back for one song because that is what is customary. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess this place has a curfew. It looks like they rented this place out. So they have to strike the whole place and they want to get yeah. their deposit back. So they have to clean up. So they come back for this encore, and what do we get? We get a we get a fucking director's cut of the theme song. We get yeah, it's an extended intro. It's a full fucking three minutes. I was not expecting that. And Matt has said I wrote this specifically for this event, which means three days ago. That's that's awesome. And the the hullabaloo, and that was even taking in a day to decide whether they were gonna play the gig. So basically, he wrote this fucking song in 48 hours. You know, I don't know if you ever did this. We uh, my first few shows in high school, um, we definitely pulled that. Like where we just got too excited about it, and then we got inspired to write something. So during practice, we'd like write a new song and be like. Well, mm. it's tomorrow, but this sounds just as good as the rest, uh, which yes. probably speaks more to the caliber of musicians we were at the time. But uh, <laughs> not in a not in. I mean, it all sounded bad is what I'm saying. Something that we something we create on it the didn't spot. Sound like a brag. Don't worry. OK, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, I would never. It's a fully sussed out song, though. It, and, and it didn't uh, have a fully uh, produced music video on top of it. That was pretty stellar. It did have a... Yeah, that's crazy. It did have... That was so insane. What, I guess this is for the audience and it's introducing us, but let's just look at the cold hard facts of this. This is a song called California Dreams by the California Dreams. Uh, this is kind of like the Black Sabbath on the Black Sabbath album by the band Black Sabbath. It's so much like that. It is. And... 
they're like, I guess this is what we're going to, we're going to have to either start or end every single show with this, you know, even though, and do they say like, this is for Randy Joe every time. And then everybody just thinks that Randy Joe has died a horrific young death, which she might. And they just have to play this in her mind. She doesn't come back. We never see her again in this. In this she series. never comes back. Okay. No. Not until the mini me sex tape. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> So we didn't see the whole show, but we, we saw them play one and a quarter song. So how long do you think that they played? Like, how long would you play at a Sweet 16 party? 16 years old. What kind, how long of a set can you have had? You practice every day for two years. How long? How many songs can you bust out? If you're busting out a song every 48 hours, that could be a, that could be a fucking marathon set you could play. I was in a, a couple of bands, but it was mostly one band, and we just changed the name and a couple of members here and there throughout high school. And we lived far enough away from each other that we didn't get to practice a ton, and there was delegation issues in writing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for us, not many. By the time like I started started the band I'm currently in, with my sister, we were practicing just about every day and it was like we were living together. So it was easy to be to, you know, what we saw at the beginning where he's just like, hey, sis, let's practice today. Like that, that definitely did happen at that time mm-hmm. for me. I don't know, like 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes sounds right. It, it sounds like because that's all probably like a shitty. I'm not saying your Partridge family band was bad or anything, Zach, but <laughs> Thank 30 you. minutes is basically what we can as parents and the chaperones of said events could really put up with. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any kids. Um, thank God. But I can't imagine going to these fucking recitals or something. It would sound awful. Um, and I have to just get up there and make it all about me. <laughs> what if your kids were as good as the California dreams or excuse me later, just the dreams. <laughs> and then just the California dreams with an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> they just keep moving I, around. The exclamation! I mark. don't know. I mean, those kids—they're pretty good. They're—they're—they also have probably progeria. They have some kind of pituitary disorder because they look a lot older than they actually are. So I'd be like, maybe they're just developing at a faster rate, both physically and you know mentally. But these kids are fucking killing it. I looked up to see how how old they are. It, uh, mm-hmm. Tiffany, the bass player, was seventeen. Kelly Packard. Yeah. Okay. And then uh um the keyboard pl- Kelly, is that her name in the show? Uh Jenny. Jenny, Jenny, sorry Jenny. Um she was around 20 and then the other two okay. were 18. Matt and Tommy are 18. The the dress too, I mean like 18-year-old girls wore like power suits and shit and everyone just looked older in the 90s. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just me getting older than I like. I'm a terrible carny and I can't tell how old anybody <laughs> is. But when this show aired, how old were you? Um, I don't know if I was watching it first run. Maybe I was. So I was around 10 when it started. You were Dennis's age. The little I brother. You shitty, <laughs> shitty little You're... kid brother's age. I was just. Being a menace around the neighborhood, I was foiling um, with my pranks. I knew it. What I did. This all <laughs> tracks so much because I hate because I hate myself. Oh uh, no! You saw how you did it better. 
I did. I did. I, I, and he got a bit more <laughs> attention for it, and that's 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 okay. He was just acting out because his his siblings were just like way more recognized, and his his artistic abilities just will never be known. Oh. Hey, again, being a little brother with like six <laughs> six and ten years uh, difference. In with my older siblings, uh, it just keeps getting more layered with how you grew up. I can feel, yeah, I had an older sister and brother, like the the Matt and Jenny in this show. That's crazy. But but I'm not saying that I relate most to Dennis. Just the family dynamic happening. There's is his name actually Dennis, or are you just calling him like Dennis? (laughs) His name is actually Dennis. No, I looked it. Oh, it is. Yeah, his name is Dennis. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Ryan O'Neill, I think, is the name of the actor. I wrote the characters down so I could talk about it, and I just wrote Shitty Little Brother. Oh, because you're like, he's going to leave before the end of this season. It's fine. I mean, I'm sorry he is. It's fine. So is Jenny... Jenny sticks around. <laughs> is the Garrison family what? just... They all die? So Do they die at the Grand Canyon? <laughs> we never see them. Oh, no. Jenny is only... Jenny is only in for 16 episodes, and there's 13 episodes to a season. So I will let you do the math there. Matt is in until the end of the second season. I don't think the family members make it past the first, but they, but inexplicably, they do still use the garage for a little while after the Garrison family's gone. None of the parents, like the entire no. this show that was supposed to be about the Garrisons and their like teenage. Teenagers have a band. That's a cool feature. Yes. Like, completely got rid of the entire family, eventually. Mm, and yeah. Not- this also happened in, in, in 90210. Like, they, they got rid of the whole regular family, and they still use the house. And there's just some throwaway line of, like, well, they're just renting the house to us, even though they're in China. You know? So... <laughs> I don't know if it's something like that. I know later California Dreams moves to like the sick ass loft and I guess they all they I guess they all live there, but I don't know if we have a graduation uh, episode. I they're still they they still definitely have school episodes, so we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see what yeah. this trajectory is like and if we have a bunch of orphan kids that have started a band. Um I know Matt's cousin comes in, Mark, and he's just basically a stand in for Matt. And um I don't want to spoil anything, but I met Mark. What? At the California Dreams reunion, which I'll be talking about exclusively on our Patreon page. Uh, I went and I met the entire cast and I watched them play these songs. And I have so much to talk about, which we'll get to. But as of right now, we're going to end the first pilot episode of California Dreams with them asking Sly to be their manager. Exciting stuff. So I have a question for you, Zach. Does does Sly get ten percent of that two fifty, and is that his rate? Ooh, I mean, I feel like uh, he's smarmy. He would ask for more. I he's think, gonna right? definitely ask for more. Yeah, for sure. And he, they wouldn't have even made two fifty without him. So he'll he'll justify it with with something like that because it's true. They would because they were like when he's like ah this band doesn't do anything for less than two fifty then uh. Yeah. You know, they were all like, they were all like, Sly, and they like tried to stop him, like, oh, Sly, don't be rude. And then she was just like, Randy Joe's like, that's cool. She's a fuck, she's a rich kid. I have a lot of money. Money is no object to her. So he's gonna, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna get more. And they have no idea what percentage is fair. Uh, They don't. 
they didn't say it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume he's gonna ask for fifteen percent. And the fact that they're only playing Sharkies pretty much the rest of the series, I don't know how much Sharkies is paying. And plus, I think there'd be a conflict of interest because Tony works at Sharkies. I'm not sure if he's getting finders fees on the clock while he's playing. These are all questions that we're going to answer here on Surf Dudes with Attitude. I'm going to say, just judge, judging by how uh, kind and caring everybody is, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. uh, unless unless there's more, uh, members that get added but currently there are four musicians plus fly the manager i think uh mm. matt's gonna suggest hey we uh i think we all get an even cut and they all get 20 percent hmm. including sly oh you think okay i think he's gonna try to be fair and i think he's gonna like sly is gonna be like oh i get half and then they're gonna be like now nah, a low ball you know i could see that argument going back and forth that should have been the final gag i think like I, and I was really surprised because he's he's all money grubbing and that's his whole thing. Mm-hmm. He should have been like so fifty percent then, and then they're like sly, and then it like it's a freeze frame. Um, that would have that's how I would have ended it, but nobody asked us, which we're gonna write that wrong. You know what? I think we should add this as as little features of the show. Um, way <laughs> ways we would have ended the the episode. <laughs> yeah. Or like ways we would have, jokes we would have made in place of that. <laughs> I mean, because we're keeping in Gandhi Stadium and the terrorist joke, of course, because you, you got gold, you don't you don't fuck with it. Absolutely. Anyway, what did you think yeah. of this episode? Is this your first full episode of this show? This is me revisiting it. I haven't watched it in about, I don't know, about 15 years. And then before that was probably when I was a kid. So looking at it with adult eyes... And then fresh eyes for you. What do you what do you think? The first episode. Are you excited to continue? I actually am excited to continue. I, I didn't know how this would be going into this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it will fluctuate as the seasons change and as the characters change. Um, but yeah, currently, when I finished the episode, I wanted to watch the next episode, That's and great. I would have if I wasn't if I wasn't stopping and waiting to do this whole process. Um, okay. I actually wanted to see where it went next and and continue with it. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I the songs are fun. It's like it's so saccharine and sweet. Like I love how the the I love how California Dreams their song like the the opening line is "Surf Dudes with Attitude." Obviously, um, you might recognize it, listeners, from uh, the name of this podcast from, from a little show, a little show you've fallen in love with very recently and it there's no attitude in this song like no. this song is so <laughs> so uh sweet and dreamy and it's just like yeah what would be that attitude like they go surfing and <laughs> some lifeguards like actually you guys um you guys can't surf today and they're like okay thanks for letting us know we're gonna go down a little <laughs> further like, they're just they're so they polite do. Or like Tony, you got you got to come to work early. Like somebody called out, and he's like, "Okay, I'm there to help out. You know, want to help the team. That's just it. You know." And they didn't ask for more money. They showed up on time to their gig. Like these these are the opposite of rock stars. They're they're writer. Prop- we have to write. That's a Patreon thing. Like we need to write what the California Dreams writer would look like. Yeah. And we got to have some people contribute to it. Yeah, I right. think it's it it it. it Part of why I like this might be part of why it wasn't successful. Uh, but like the, 
the stakes are just so low like with this first episode and it might change but it's just like it's like oh no family drama and then everybody's like it's all right don't worry about it you know and yeah. and then it's just like oh no we got everybody got we compromised and everybody was happy at the end yeah we all listen to each other and we're we're middle class and white and everything is just going to work out and be okay and we're going to realize that in the grand scheme of things, like a high school band isn't everything. Yeah. So you're right. It, it, it was weirdly, I thought it would be more silly and in, in the way that like Say by the Bell is so problematic at times and it's, it's, it's weird and there's no moral to the story a lot. Of, this, this one had a moral. I don't know. It almost felt good. Yeah. I was very surprised and I was sitting like learning the song. I was like, this is kind of fun. Like it's an easy song, obviously, but somebody put time into it. I was, I was, I don't know. I was like, what's happening to me? Why am I just not shit talking this entire thing? I was, I was genuinely shocked how fun it seemed. And the time went by. It wasn't that cringy, but mm-hmm. the first episode, this might yeah. happen. And I haven't put my guard down yet. Episodes that don't have anything to do with band stuff. And then we're going to get our wills tested. So yeah. Anyway. Um, I mean, I am a little curious to find out what happens outside of of all of this i mean uh, all the i mean it's high school drama I'm, I'm assuming but i do remember god and it's gonna come up later there's there's one episode that has stuck with me my entire life and i've just and it's the logic part of it and i'm gonna get we'll get closer to it while i'll talk about it but it has something to do with like they're at school and there's a safety program and they have to go a thousand days without having an accident and even as a kid i was like wait a minute that's like four years of your early <laughs> and like this doesn't this plot makes no sense because they're trying to get to a thousand days and i was like how much time has elapsed here but i could be this is like the mandala effect like i could be completely misremembering how this goes and maybe the episode starts with like they're at 950 days or something but again we'll get there we'll figure it out i'm excited to go on this journey with you zach um so I guess until next time, I'm going to sign off. This is Pete from uh, New York City, um, a surf dude with a singular attitude. Uh, thanks for listening. And this is Zach from Nashville, Tennessee, a similar dude but with different. a similar <laughs> dude. <laughs>